and welcome to a regularly scheduled episode of No Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. I'm your sister co-host, Elizabeth Connor. I'm your brother co-host, Thomas Kempsey. How are you feeling? I feel fine. It's been a very rainy, sleepy kind of day, so... Yeah, this... Yeah, it has been. It, it really started raining, I think, during the night for us, and then today has sort of been on and off. Yeah, yeah, same here. Um, so rainy and sleepy is definitely how I'd characterize it. I'm really hoping the rain, that we have at least decent weather tomorrow since I'm taking my choir on a field trip. That's true. Yes. Yeah. That's going to be important. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's like not sunny and out and what all, at least if it's not like precipitating, Mm -hmm. but I was able to get out today. Um, I don't think I've really only been getting into this the last few days uh started up a a very low key regimen of uh walking mm-hmm. uh, it's some tiktok or video thing i saw where the guy recommends knee exercises because you okay. know i told you i don't know if i told you about this i've been having this pain in the side of my one of my knees and uh i'm trying out various exercises to see if that alleviates anything Hmm. and um the exercise one of the exercises this guy recommended was walking backwards Mm -hmm. and he said for 10 minutes a day to walk backwards and if you have a a treadmill yeah to use it but to not turn it on so that you're just standing on it backwards i guess braced on the armrests and using your legs to move the uh the belt the belt backwards okay So, but I've just been um, out walking around the streets. Went went on a walk by our neighbor's house today with like the hunting dogs out in the pen. Mm-hmm. And I feel like them, they didn't know what to make of me. So when they saw me walking backwards, two of them came out and started barking. So <laughs> that was about time for me to start heading back anyway. Yeah. And uh, let's see, Friday I had an interview with a job placement uh, company. Oh, how'd that go? Greenville it went it went fine it was basically just the lady one of the recruiters sort of going over my resume talking about how they do things and what I can expect to hear from them so uh I'll be looking out for more developments from that uh in the meantime I thought I'd I'll you know stay on the lookout for any local jobs or businesses that look interesting okay yeah just I had a great time visiting y'all yeah had a good day that day after our trip we got to hang out yep yep it was pretty cool of course everybody already knows most of that so we won't uh rehash that too terribly but uh you got any recent developments you want to get into i don't think so okay oh that's hold on there's one so um you know i'm a music teacher everyone knows this yeah yes and uh but i have been I don't know, like, I just remember, you know, when I was, like, in undergrad and even, or, like, when I was in, like, high school and undergrad and even graduate school to some extent, like, like, classical music or, like, the classical genre was always, like, in my life because that's what you play if you're a Western, if you're a, a, you know, like, a Western music student, like, you're going to play classical music. Sure. So anyway, I was just kind of like, you know, like, I don't, like, I don't listen. 
I enjoy classical music, but like I don't listen to it. Right. Like in the car, and I'm like, and I feel like I need to expand my repertoire of like what I know. So um, anyway, I I like looked up online, like you know, kind of something kind of like a hurdle where it's like it gives you like a song of the day. Where sure. it's like you get a classical piece of music of the day, and. I didn't find exactly what I was looking for, but I was able to find something, which I guess is something. Um, And there's this website. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's basically like in this, like this day in classical music. And so when you go to it every day, it updates and it shows you like what composers were born on this day, what composers died on this day. And more interestingly is what pieces premiered on this day. That's interesting. So I've decided to like go through the what pieces premiered on this day, and I just pick like the one that premiered the earliest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I go on a, and then I go find it on Spotify and like add it to a playlist, and then that's what I listen to when I get in the car. That's cool. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the thing I've been looking into. Um, I've got a Nintendo 2DS, which is like the 3DS, but without the 2D, uh, without the 3D capability that was much ballyhooed at that console's launch. Mm-hmm. And as anyone who follows video game news knows, tomorrow is March 27th, which is the last day, uh, the last operational day for the Nintendo 3DS and Wii U eShops. Oh. So if you have either of those consoles, tomorrow will be the last day that you'll be able to buy games off of those services huh which is basically like especially for consoles that are no longer producing first or second party games mm-hmm. anymore that's pretty much the end of those console cycles definitively okay so uh so anyway in light of that a lot of people have been posting like must buy games that are like native to the hardware and that are like unlikely to be re-released anytime soon either for licensing reasons or the just the affordances of the 3ds hardware mm-hmm. like making it unique to that console so the past couple of days i've been picking up uh several games that i've had an eye on that i've heard good word about um got the last of those downloading right now uh yesterday i was able to, are you familiar with the ace attorney series no it's uh, like there's this it started with this game called Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney for the Nintendo DS. Actually, I believe it was a Game Boy Advance title in Japan, but they uh updated up, it to uh the two, the DS when that console was coming out. Uh-huh. And they're basically uh visual novel mystery games wherein you play a, a defense lawyer who in the course of proving your client's innocence, you also have to sort of take on the mantle of uh, detective and interrogator mm-hmm. so you're visiting crime scenes you're collecting clues you're interrogating witnesses uh, in court and each case revolves around you not so much proving your client's innocence because it's one of those mystery games where going in you know who the criminal is mm-hmm. and uh, it's more about you just figuring out on the fly how you're going to prove that somebody else did the crime that your person has been committed of, uh, accused of. 
on the 3DS, there are six titles, technically speaking, available in this series. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is a trilogy collection of the first three Nintendo DS games. Mm-hmm. And then there are three 3DS titles thereafter. But each of these is only $3 each. So I was able to get the entire series uh, through to the uh, 3DS for just $12. Okay. Wow. And uh, I'm, look- I'm going to be... I guess I'll report back if I start getting into those games. Really, the main thing, I think, was just getting them all for at that price, I think, was felt like a solid investment. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've heard nothing but good things about them, so I'm looking forward to checking them out. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. And that's, that about, uh, I think, covers all my bases at the moment. Okay. So you about ready to start talking books? Yeah. All right. Now, we... Last week, last episode ended on a controversial note when uh, I think you had been unable to finish uh, the challenge book. Yeah. And I had offered you an extension so that by this episode you could like complete last week's challenge and also the challenge issued for this week mm-hmm. without uh, incurring any like relative penalty. Yeah. So, uh, how'd that work out for you? Um, it did. I was able to finish the, I was able to finish tomorrow and tomorrow, tomorrow. And I also finished, um, uh, when is black, when is black, how long till black future? Yeah. How long till black future month? So, all right. Now those were the uh, only two things I read. Oh, that's fine. I read them. And yep. And when did you, uh, when did you what when did you finish those? So I finished uh tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow yesterday. Yeah, all right. And I finished the other one today. All right. <laughs> Killing it. All right, well, if it's any consolation, the uh book I assigned for next episode, Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds. Mhm. I had heard that it was a short book. I don't think I realized that it is essentially a uh poetry collection. Oh, okay. So, like, it's, like, in terms of raw page count, it's, like, just over 300 pages. But bearing in mind, most of those pages can be read in, like, 10, 15 seconds each. Okay. So, very, very fleet narrative there. So, I was able to finish. Go ahead and let you know I already finished that book in, like, one sitting. Okay. And And it was uh, called what again? It's called Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds. In addition to that, I read one, two, uh, three, four other books in addition to uh, How Long Till Black Future Month, which I already counted towards my word total last episode. Okay. Yeah, so it's... Now, bearing in mind, several of these books are very short. Mm-hmm. Like, in, a, in along with uh, uh, Long Way Down... Two of them were essentially novellas. Uh, they were. Uh, you saw me reading one of them when I was out visiting your school on uh, Thursday. Mm-hmm. But uh, they are part of the um, New Direction storybook series. Yeah. One of them was uh, Spade Work for a Palace by uh, Laszlo Krasna Horkai. Mm-hmm. I briefly mentioned it in the last episode when I talked about this book about a that was more or less written in one long run-on sentence. That was quite interesting. It's about a 
like a 60-year-old librarian who is named Herman Melville, but without the E at the end. He sort of like both by virtue of the fact that he's named after the named for the guy, but also keeps getting it brought up, happens to form an obsession with Herman Melville in addition to a couple of other like prominent figures from uh, like the New York art scene. Mm-hmm. And and the whole book is basically culminating in this guy's like lifelong aspiration to build in his mind the ideal library, which is a library much like the one he works at with like all the knowledge, accumulated knowledge and art that human and humanity has produced, just sealed away in a large walled off building with no means of entrance. And then it gets into like the philosophical like underpinning of this whole idea and the steps he takes towards realizing it and it's it's very much like a stream of consciousness sort of thing because the whole thing is framed as like being the written journal of this guy Mm -hmm. that just exists in a series of notepads basically yeah hence the run on nature i i found that quite enjoyable i like laszlo's style just in general he's sort of like an like eccentric sort of interiority focused storytelling mm-hmm. and uh i've got several of his other books that i'm looking forward to getting into but uh, that was one of the storybook editions i read the other one which i really enjoyed and i actually think you would get a kick out of as well is called the english understand wool by helen dewitt as uh listeners will also recall from our last episode i recently purchased the uh, helen dewitt's the last samurai which was her debut novel from back in 2000 this is a more recent publication from her. It's a like a 64-page novella chronicling the story of a young like heiress basically, like with an estimated net worth of like 100 million pounds or something like that. And the experience she goes through when it re- when it's revealed that the people she believed to be her parents were in fact like two con artists who had kidnapped her after her parents' death. Oh gosh. And had been raising her under the auspice of being her parents. And so, like, they, once they're, like, found out, her parents go on the run and essentially take most of, if not all, her money with them. Oh. Although she does still has, like, retainership over some assets that mm-hmm. uh, are, like, held up in court. And the book then sort of becomes her having to deal with the fallout of the media circus around like this whole case like the press's interest in her as a character and their desire to shape her into a specific kind of person that they can like write press stories about Mm -hmm. and and her relationship to all that and it's like she's just a very like well-written and wry sort of protagonist because the whole book is told from her perspective Mm mm-hmm And it was that book that really got me excited to see what The Last Samurai was like. So that'll be one I'll be getting into at some point in the near future. Yeah, so that's two of the books I've finished so far. Did you want to touch on, uh, get a hand on the Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow Ball before we continue? Yeah. So I already said my piece about it last week uh, and sort of selling it to you. Do you think I, did I do it justice? Um, yes. So... I actually, I actually loved it more than I thought I would. All right. 
and there were I, I there was just there was a lot of things that I found interesting about it, like the whole Sam and Sadie relationship. Like their whole yeah, relationship throughout the entire book was just like was fascinating to me. Yeah, because it's not it never like extends into the sphere of romance, mm-hmm. but it's definitely more than just like platonic friendship. Right. Right. It almost feels like it feels more like familial. Yeah. In a way, which uh, then like really complicates the sort of social dimensions of it and people's perceptions of it. Yeah, because they just like people just don't get it. Right. And and that is made all the more I feel like it's emphasized even more because of the nature of their jobs since they're in video games and they're kind of yeah. like, oh, like they look at Sadie and they're like, oh, well if she's doing this it's because like he's her boyfriend or he's her husband or Yeah, that's or whatever. definitely Yeah, what a lot of like spectators sort of fall back on. Yeah. Um so I just, I don't, like, to me, the whole time, I was like, I feel like this, I feel like their relationship is, like, truly the definition of, like, what a soulmate is. Oh, sure. Because, uh, you know, it's just, like, you could tell, like, these two people are supposed to be together, but you can't define the way that they're supposed to be together. Right. I think that's, uh... That's a good. That's a good uh, way of framing it. And obviously, there's a lot more stuff going on uh, in the margins of that. Oh yeah, and and there yeah. was also this. I mean, and I also feel like uh, the author's last name is Zevin, right? Yes. Okay. I feel like Zevin does a really good job of 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 fleshing the two of them out as like real people. Yeah. You know, like. They deal, like, like, they deal with problems very realistically. Um, especially and they also like, cause problems for themselves very yeah, realistically. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. you can't really say, oh, this person's a good guy or, oh, this person's a bad guy. Like, that's not even really a factor. Like, the, like the duality of their nature in terms of, like, being a good person and being a piece of crap is, like, pretty evenly balanced. Yeah, that's good. Um... The chapter about Marks. Oh, that was rough. After the thing happened. Yeah. That, if, if I had to pick, if I had to pick, like, the most perfect chapter out of anything I think I've ever read, it would be that oh. chapter. Well, that is nice. And it does really work well. It's like a self-contained piece. Yeah. But it, de- yeah, it definitely, like, hits all the harder with uh, everything you've read up till that point. I just, oh, man. And, and I, and I hated Dove. Oh, yeah. Dove sucks. He was the worst. Yeah. And it sort of feels like the way all the characters take Dove's sucking in stride. Yeah. To where it's just sort of like a given with everybody. Because, yeah, I mean, he just, he was awful. Yeah, I guess did, how, I know you're not as big into video games as I am. Did any of that feel, like, uh, at all, was that, like, a, a, did were you able to get into any of that? 
So the thing that really struck me about, because like I, I guess I understood it like just from a, I, I understood the basics because like, you know, I don't, like I don't play video games. Like I don't, I don't play like on a console or anything. Um, but I do play games like on my phone. So I guess, sure. you know, there's a section of the book where they talk about casual games. Yeah. Like I, I play, I would say I play casual games. Um, with, you know, with varying frequency. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, like, I thought, I did think that, like, everything that goes into it, like, the, the technical jargon, I guess, I didn't understand it exactly, but I was like, oh, like, this shows me that a lot of thought and hard work obviously goes into making video games. And, like, I yeah. knew that. What I didn't know, though, was all of the, like, how much creating a video game and creating like how much how much the the process of creating a video game and the process of writing are so similar sure like in terms of having to do research so like uh when they're making their first video game and and marks is having them read like all these different books yeah i was like that's something that an author would do because yeah, and like they, I like I, I went to you know, there's a girl who like I went to college with and I still am friends with her on Facebook. Like she and her husband are authors. That is how they make their living. And she frequently goes on social media and talks about having to spend like hours and hours and hours doing research about this one minute thing that's gonna go into her book because she wants it to be authentic or she wants it to make what? it sound authentic. Yeah. Um so I think that was. In, did the edition of Tomorrow that you read have the glossary information from Zevin? I don't know. Because I had the hardback, and that included like uh, some excerpts from her like writing journal. So there's like stuff from the last three to four years that she's been writing this book, and it shows like the pages where she's working out ideas for character dynamics and uh, events in the plot that uh, she wants to have happen and so you're sort of able to get a lens into like her process and the uh, progress she was making at various points so i don't have anything like a glossary i just have the notes and acknowledgements at the end yeah that that might be it okay uh, but i i didn't count that towards the word total okay good because i didn't read that but it's worth checking out if you've got it okay yeah was there anything else you wanted to say about uh, about tomorrow? Um, I would highly recommend it, and I think I'm going to want a hard copy because I enjoyed right, it so well, much. I've got one, so uh, if I'm ever looking to clear off some shelf space, I can just let you have mine. Okay, sounds good. All right, that would be cool. So uh, I think we've been talking for a good while now. We've still got a lot more to come, so I think we'll be taking a break real quick, and we'll see you all in a second. Okay. Welcome back to Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. We just got done catching up with Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, uh, last week's reading challenge. And uh, now I had a couple more books to just touch on before we got around to discussing this week's reading challenge. Uh, these were both books that I finished pretty much the day after our last proper episode. Mm -hmm. And they'd been, I'd been reading them along, along the way with the other stuff and uh, just could not quite get them over the line in time for the last record. Mm -hmm. So I'll touch on them very briefly. One of them 
was uh, a short story collection by Julio Cortazar called All Fires the Fire. Again, Cortazar, somebody I mentioned last time as an author I've really taken to. This is a collection of eight short stories by him uh, that uh, are all sort of like indicative of his sort of dreamlike style. Uh, they cover a variety of topics. The first story is almost like a dystopian fiction about a never-ending uh, traffic jam on the highway. Mm-hmm. So, like, these people are stuck out on the highway for, like, days and weeks on end to the point that, like, black markets start to arise and people have to start consolidating and rationing food. And people in various cars and uh, modes of transport start forming, like, alliances and what have you. Okay. It's very interesting. And the one right after that, uh, which I think was probably one of my favorite stories in the book, is about... Have you ever seen The Farewell? Or I heard have of not. It? It's the, that movie about the Chinese family who uh, uh, have a... Like, the grandmother who is dying of cancer... Mm-hmm. But they don't want to tell her that she's dying. So in lieu of that, they stage a fake wedding between two of the between one of the like nephews and his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And um, they use that as a pretense for all the distant relations to get together one last time to say goodbye to this woman before she dies, unbeknown, mm-hmm. unbeknownst to her. And uh, there's a it's it's sort of similar in that premise wherein. There's this family with a grandmother who's, like, viewed as having very sensitive health. And when uh, one member, when, like, I think her grandson dies in a tragic accident, in lieu of telling her that he's dead, they just say that he moved away for work. And then the story, like, evolves from there and all the, like, extended steps the family has to take to keep up the, the lie. And it ends on a very poignant note, and I think uh, that um, those sort of encompass both like the emotional and the conceptual uh, range of the rest of the stories overall. Mm-hmm. Like some of them are very like emotionally honest, and uh, some of them are very like heightened as far as like the premises are concerned. Okay. Which is, I think, qualities about. Julio Cortazar in general that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last book I can talk about before our challenge is one of my favorite books that I've read so far this year, uh, though I'm not sure how well I can recommend it. It's called Marlene... It is by Marlene Halshofer. It's called The Wall. Mm-hmm. It was written in 1967, and it is a science fiction novel with hardly any science fiction in it. The premise of the book is that this German housewife is out in the countryside with, uh, I guess, her husband and her friends. Mm-hmm. And they're all staying at a hunting lodge. And, well, like, one of their early evenings there, her husband and their two friends, who are whose, like, lodge it is, they all go into town for drinks. And the wife is just staying at home, like, with the hunting dog and the house cat that lives nearby. So she just stays home and like goes to bed, and when she wakes up, nobody's come back from town yet. So she just sits out with the hunting dog to go for a hike, and while on the hike, she discovers that seemingly the entire world south of her hunting lodge has been cut off by an invisible wall. 
Oh. And seemingly all living things beyond the wall have been frozen. Not frozen in time, just petrified, seemingly. Oh. Because, like, she sees, like, off in the distance, somebody crouched down next to a well. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, like, days or weeks later, she sees that same person, like, it's still in the crouching pose, but having tipped over. Mm-hmm. So something has caused this to happen, and she doesn't know if it's, like, some sort of agent of war or something like a doomsday device that was unleashed by some company Mm -hmm. or if it's like some alien uh invasion tactic but essentially she's just for as far as she knows she's the last human being alive all on her own at this hunting lodge with fortunately enough uh for her at least some supplies to help like see her through the seasons to come Mm-hmm. And the whole book becomes a survivorless narrative wherein this woman, who you never learn her name, she uh, start, starts to like fend for herself, live off the land, like domesticate and engage in like engage in animal husbandry with like a cow that she finds nearby, uh, that she's able to like milk and uh, get stuff out of. Okay. Yeah, and so. It's not a special... I mean, it's got dramatic elements because obviously it's a book wherein any sort of uh, event or incident could cost this woman her life. And then, of course, on top of all that, you've got the existential weight of uh, what it means that she... If and or even if she's the only person left alive. Mm -hmm. Or the nature of what is happening in the world. Mm -hmm. So, but it's very much a book about learning to forge an identity in the face of isolation Mm -hmm. because uh you know this is a woman who by all accounts was very unsatisfied with her life prior to all this so in spite of the trauma and the horror of it like on its face just the way in which she has to restructure her life in order to survive day to day uh, in this new environment is just sort of the thing she's constantly being confronted with and that the uh, sort of first person perspective the whole book is told for um, again is told in the uh, voice of the main character's journal entries Mm -hmm. so but it's a very dense book and so much of the incident that comprises it is just the day-to-day goings-on of her like starting a farm or setting up like housing or barn structures for her uh, livestock Mm -hmm. and it's very methodical and plain spoken but it's which means it's a very like dense read i don't think there's a single page break throughout the entire thing it's just Mm -hmm. like 230 pages of like pure text but uh, with and no dialogue either obviously because she's the only character so it's just her recounting and observing and describing but uh just the tone and the nature of it i think is very like draws you in okay so that was i I really quite found i quite enjoyed reading that and what was the title of that one again it was called the wall by marlene haushofer okay all right and from that like uh well ostensibly sci-fi novel we can now venture into other genre fare with this week's reading challenge yeah all right you want to take it ahead sure so 
uh, I guess, so a month ago, I proposed, or I set forth the challenge to read um, N.K. Jeminson's short story collection, How Long Till Black Future Month, and right. that is what we're going to be discussing today. Yeah. Now, this is a, a short story collection. It's a collection of genre uh, sci-fi and fantasy stories. Mm-hmm. So there's any number of way we could take this as far as our like reading challenge bingo is concerned. Yeah. Once again, I feel like I sort of went off on that last little segment there, so I'll let you lead the discussion here if you'd like. Okay. So I thoroughly enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't read a lot of short story collections, and okay. honest, and like this one kind of makes me want to change that. Oh yeah, because I think there this is... is definitely, yeah. Now, granted, I like just blasted through this because I had to get it done before, or like I felt the pressure to get it done. But like, had I not procrastinated, um, I think I would feel like a lot of joy, or yeah, yeah, I would say joy is the right word in like yeah. reading a short story and then like setting the book to the side and maybe reading something else and then picking it back up and reading a different one. Um, okay. That obviously wasn't how I read this one, but I feel like this one was a good one to do that with. Right. If, if that's how you choose to consume short story collections. Yeah, I think so too. It it reminded me more than, well, not more than anything, but it reminded me of what it was like to read uh, Stephen King short story anthologies back in high school. Mm-hmm. Because, like, obviously he's much more focused on being a horror author, but... There, I do feel like the relative length and uh, breadth of like conceptual frameworks yeah. in those books could sort of, uh, if if that's your speed, then I think this is a book that you'll really take to. And you know, I am not a person who normally reads introductions. Uh huh. But I read the introduction to this. Yes. And I'm glad I did. Yeah, I think so I think, too. I think that added another layer of uh, me enjoying this as a body of work was uh, just N.K. Jemison's like, this is how I came to write short stories. This is why I got into it at first. Yeah, also just establishing the understanding that uh, these are books from various points in her writing career. Mm-hmm. Like several of them are in fact essentially uh, pilots for story ideas that she would explore later in her novels. Yep. Yeah. Like, there's the story that was the basis for the Broken Earth trilogy that she won all them Hugos for. Mm-hmm. There's Which a, I've never another read. Story. Yeah, there's another story, her current series, which is uh, uh, the first book of which is called We Are the City. Mm-hmm. Uh, is I think adapted from a short story that is included in this book and I think is one of my favorites of the books uh, stories we read mm-hmm. you know what? which one I'm talking about where it's like the person who's in New York and is sort of becoming a caretaker of the city like seeing to all these oh, sort of oh yeah that was trippy yeah I really enjoyed that I'm not gonna story. lie I, did, I didn't when I started reading that one I didn't know what was going on yeah well, that's apparently the basis for one of her, like, the the ongoing series that she's working on now, which starts with We Are the City. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's 
going to be a book that I'm going to be keeping an eye out for in the future. You know, I feel like I say this a lot. Like, I talk about how, oh, this book, or, oh, this would make a good movie, or, oh, this would make a good show. I originally had that feeling about that short story, but then the more I reflected on it, the more I was like, I feel like whatever studio would purchase the rights to that story or whatever... Um, I feel like they would try to make it too marvelly. I get that, yeah. And, and I feel like it. Very... And I feel like it yeah. kind of belongs more in like the vein of like. Yeah, a, a much more experiential thing that you almost feel like conventional narrative uh, filmmaking wouldn't be as well suited for. Yeah, uh, that one was called "The City Born Great." Yes. Now there was now that. Um, there's a steampunk story later on about that uh, Haitian secret agent who comes to New Orleans to uh, to like acquire some plans for generating uh, fuel. Was that a steampunk one? Because uh, it involved like a world where zeppelins and airships are a thing. So I just sort of <laughs> imposed mentally a steampunk sort of uh, framework onto it. <laughs> What's up? I'm sorry. I just like you said that, and I'm like, oh my gosh, no, he's right. Because I'm just sitting there reading it, and I'm like, oh yeah, they totally had these modes of transportation. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. like you know, in the 1800s. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I just I... God. Oh yeah. Okay. I was like, I was like, huh? That's kind of weird that there's this piece of historical fiction. I didn't realize that zeppelins were that prevalent back in the day. <laughs> I that's because they weren't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fun. Let's see. I was. This is what happens when you don't have good social studies teachers. You don't know what happened in the past. Oh goodness, no. Yeah. You think you think what 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 they call them in that story? Dirigibles? Yeah, something like that. That's a that's a term for airship that yeah, was employed. That's what happens. You think dirigibles existed during slavery? <laughs> well, I'm, they they may have, but they weren't as obviously prevalent as they are made out to be in this book. I really They're don't think they I really don't think they did. Well, when did well when was like uh the Hindenburg and stuff like that? That, was that that was what was that, like early, twentieth uh, century or was Hold that? On, I gotta sooner? figure out how to. Sorry, I just now realized how you spelled Hindenburg. Hindenburg yeah. disaster. The Hindenburg okay, disaster a... occurred in nineteen thirty-seven. Okay, so yeah, this is um, says here that uh, yep, the earliest zeppelins I think were created in nineteen hundred. That I. Uh, well, from Wikipedia, it says patented in Germany in nineteen in eighteen ninety five, and in the U S. Yeah. in eighteen ninety nine. Okay, so. But again, yeah, not when slavery is... was still a thing. Right. Although I I had to wonder like if this book was, t- technically speaking, antebellum South or like post Civil War. Yeah. So I I do think that the infrastructure that it describes for airships does put it in the realm of historical fiction. Or like uh, revisionist history, yeah. Where, uh, yeah, it's definitely alternate history, 
sort of light steampunk. Mm-hmm. But uh, all this is to say that that is a story I could see being made into a, like, a TV-style adaptation. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Especially, like, if you were doing it episodic and, like, these, like, people traveling across the country or traveling to different places for missions and mm-hmm. what have you. Yeah. That, that, that's a that's a premise you can hang a show on. Yeah. I liked the, like, I guess, fae-based ones. Yeah, the more fan, the more fantasy, the, the more fantasy ones, yeah. ones as opposed to the science fiction ones. Yeah, those are all good too. Especially the the one that comes after that city one. It's called a uh, Red Dirt Witch. Oh, that was good. Yeah, and like, cause, and, and I like that because I just felt like that was. I'm like, you know what? If uh, I feel like if the Fae were to show up in a uh, in pre-civil rights Alabama, I feel like that's kind of how it would be handled. Yeah, I think if you enjoyed that ser- story and that kind of story, you'd enjoy reading um, Walking on Cowrie Shells, that mm-hmm. sto- uh, book I talked about earlier this year, and I think I included it I think you loaned it, it to me. Yeah, I think that'd be one you'd enjoy checking out, because it's got some, like, some fantasy stories in there that are along those lines. Yeah. So, so anyway... Um... So yeah, and I mean, I enjoyed all the stories, but particularly the fae-based ones. I guess because I just have more experience reading fairy fiction. That's true. Yeah. So and there, just... there were that that story where the lady is like the the French chef. Oh, uh, the, the Italian, Italian. The Italian, yeah, the lady who's the chef in Italy, and some uh, ostensibly like fantastical fairy prince or whoever. Like, gives her this, like, elaborate recipe to complete. Mm-hmm. That was a fun one, too. I think I just yeah. like reading about food. Yeah, I, I think that was why, because, um, after she, like, when she goes and does, like, the the final challenge, like, towards the end yes. of that story, and she just, like, has a good time with the ingredients, like, I really, I really love that. Sure. Where she just was given ingredients and she that you know that she wasn't really familiar with and she's kind of like okay well I'm gonna make this taste good. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah. All right. So you uh, so yeah all all thumbs up for uh, how long till Black Future Month? Yep. Yep. And did I loan you my uh, Broken Earth trilogy books? I can't remember if I've still got those or if I gave them away or. Whatnot, I can't but, remember um, either. You shouldn't have too much trouble finding them at a library or whatnot. Right. Yeah, but that's definitely a, th- a series I think yeah, I could recommend on the strengths of this collection. Okay. Yeah. So, that's uh, one challenge down. Uh, you, let's do word totals. Alright, let's do it. You want me to go first? Yeah, that's good. Okay. So, I read two books... So since, well, technically a month ago, I've read 254,821 words, which brings nice. my year to which brings my year-to-date word total up to 1,400,153 words, which puts me at 13.9% of my 2021 world word count. All right. And I've read uh with the five or six books I've read, well, technically five, but it it's weird. The books I've read in the last two weeks 
brought my current word total up to 1,643,957 words, which uh, puts me at about uh, 200,000 ahead of where I was last year, and comprises 37% of my word total in 2021. Okay. Yeah. What, per what percentage again? 37. 37, okay. Got all that going on. Got uh, another challenge to get into. Or do we want to do um, bingo card? Yeah, we can do bingo card first. Okay. So okay. for my bingo card this year, uh, this week, I'm taking... I'm actually going to take European non-English translation. And I'm going to go with uh, Haushofer's The Wall, which is translated from German. I believe that's my six. The Wall... Who was the author again? Marlene Haushofer. Oh, according to Amazon, it is now a major motion picture. Yeah, I did see where that got adapted into a film. I wasn't uh, sure what they changed about it, if anything. Okay. Now, yeah. last time I asked if I would be allowed to... Yeah, you if you would be allowed to pick two books. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think that's fair. Okay, so... My short story collection is going to be How Long Till Future Black Month, Till Black Future Month. Yep. And then I guess Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow will be uh, my book recommended by the other player. A signed book. A signed book, yeah. An yeah, assigned and, book. And that works out because, uh, because my, my pick for that same category was How Long Till Black Future Month. Okay. So, you said yours was for a book from non-English-speaking Europe? Yes. Alright, yes. You have six. You have six entries. You are still two spots away from your closest bingo. Alrighty. And uh, I think the same holds true for you. Got short story collection, romance, uh, biography. So, yeah, you're still uh, two books off from completing a bingo. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now we've got another uh, assignment to get into. Yes. So, okay. Um, do you want to read, would you like to read a biography or would you like to read um, a work of fiction? Well, we've already done biography for uh, uh, Lab Girl. Oh, yeah, that's true. So I'll take work of fiction. Okay. Um, so we are going to read Fever Dream by... Who's it by? Samantha Schweblin. Sh Samantha Schweblin. Yeah. S-C-H-W-E-B-L-I-N. Okay. Huh. Let me check something real quick. Okay. I thought I had read a book called Fever Dream already, but it doesn't look like it. Okay. So, yeah, Fever Dream sounds good. How, how's that, how'd you get turned on to it? I think I heard about it on an episode of uh, All the Books. Yep. And then it came across, like, a, I don't know, like one of those book deal of the day things. And so I got, I was able to pick it up for pretty cheap. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. So that is what we're going to read next time. Alrighty, looking forward to it. Uh, well, technically, that's what we'll be reading uh, time after next. because Yeah, time after next. Yeah. 
because the next book will be uh, Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds. Yep. All right. So it's been another good episode in the books. Yep. In the books. Yep. You, uh, oh, here's, I was thinking of Broken Fevers by oh, okay. uh, Tanea Johnson. That was a short gotcha. story collection I read back in 2021. Okay. Yeah. All righty. But uh, Fever Dreams would have been a good name for that one, too. Okie dokie. Yeah. All right. So, uh, why don't you uh, give a shout out to our socials? Yeah. So, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Literally Club at Your Words Podcast. You can find us on our website at yourwordspodcast.com. And you can send us a question, recommendation, or comment to yourwordspodcast at gmail.com. Sounds good. As always, Elizabeth, it's been a pleasure recording with you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure recording with you. I wish you well on your reading for the next two weeks. Thanks, yours too. Until then. And until then, everybody, like I always say. Bye. Goodbye.